You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good morning to everyone out there. Good afternoon if you're on the East Coast. Uh, was just uh, We were talking to, to Mark, our producer, and here I am in, in usually sunny Southern California, and it's been raining. It's so bizarre for us to get rain. My dogs are just, you know, came in earlier and they were sopping wet, but... I guess all is good. We need it. You know, we have a lot of drought. There was a special I was watching just Friday about the huge wine industry here in California, California wines. I'm sure everybody, all of you have known that and how the wine, the grape growers are in such panic because we've had such a drought. In fact, we were planning a river rafting trip in May and we had to cancel because there was no water. So uh, we're hoping that uh, this year will be a better year for that. So uh, anyway, you are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, host for the next half hour on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We are the only live call-in show on Pet Life Radio. So that's a hint. I want to hear from you. Give us a call, 877-385-8882, or you can just join in the conversation. If you go online, Pet Life Radio, click on to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You can join in the conversation, and we're right here. And you can also send me a quick email, and that is to drjeff, that's Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com, and I will get that forwarded to me, ASAP. So once again, we're here for you. We're here to answer your questions, to help you make decisions, whatever it is that you need. It's free. Not only is it free, but by calling in, by sending us an email, by sending, joining in in a conversation, we will send you out from our sponsors, a ProSense pet product for your pet and also a Kong toy. And I want to thank ProSense Pet and Kong and our retailers that carry the ProSense products, Walmart and Target and a lot of the the mass retailers. Anyway, last week we were talking about allergies. And it's a huge, huge problem that we see in pets. Probably, I would say this time of year, certainly the number one problem. And what I want to do is over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to go through a series of some of the more common things that pets are presented to us or to me for, and how serious could they be, might they be, how nervous should you be if your pet starts exhibiting some of these signs, and I'm going to try to help you sift through the process. Is this emergency? Is it not an emergency? Can it wait? How many days can I give it, etc., and I'll help you get through that. So again, first and foremost, we were talking about allergies. We had gotten through a lot of the skin allergies that are caused by, for example, fleas, skin allergies that were caused by pollen. And we had to stop the conversation right out of time last week when we got to the foods. And as with the other allergens, fleas, pollens especially, the manifestation in our pets is not the same as it is for us. For example, now, yeah, of course, fleas are going to be the same. When you got a flea jumping all over you and it bites you, you're going to get a little flea bite. You're going to get a little irritation. And I've had clients come in and, and roll up their pant leg and they have, it looks like they have the measles or chicken pox. It's unbelievable because there are so many fleas biting them. Typically, however, fleas, don't take it personally, fleas like your pets better. And once an adult flea, once a flea, a larva, hatches to a young adult, okay, those are the ones that are all over your carpet. Once they make it to a pet and take that first blood meal, there is some alteration, some change within their intestinal tract to where now they become obligate parasites. They need that blood meal. So if they should jump off of your 
dog or a cat and can't find your dog or cat again, within hours to a day, they're going to be dead. So most of the fleas that you're going to see on your carpets, on your furniture that are hopping onto you when you sit down are probably those young adult fleas that have not yet found their host. That's your pet. Sometimes they're going to find you, but once they do find that pet, they become obligate. So the little rashes, the secondary infection, that makes sense. Now, the pollens, as we talked, that's a different ballgame. When we breathe in pollens, if we are allergic, if we have hay fever, as I did as a kid, the symptoms are going to be respiratory. You're going to be coughing. It's going to be itchy throat. It's going to be a chest cold. I mean, runny nose, something that is more a localized respiratory problem because we inhaled the allergen. Not so in our dogs and cats. When dogs and cats inhale their allergens, whether it's pollens, molds, things around the house, dust, dust mites, tobacco smoke, they scratch. Their manifestation of allergies is skin-related. So the best we have, especially in a dog, as we talked last week, is to be able to, based on the location of the skin problem, we might have a clue as to what the culprit is. Not so in cats. Cats aren't as nice to us. And with a cat, it could be regardless of the allergen, they can have lesions anywhere, no rhyme, no reason. Now, now what about food? So you would think, what happens? If we eat something that we're allergic to or we're sensitive to, probably we're going to have some intestinal issue. People who are severely allergic might have an anaphylactic reaction. But again, you can, if I asked you, what do you think a dog's manifestation is going to be to food allergy? And hopefully you're going to guess, as with pollens and everything else, skin. And guess what? You're right. It's going to be skin. Now, the classic textbook manifestation of allergies, food allergies in a dog, the skin lesions are going to be chewing at the feet, typically the front, because it's easier for them to get to it. Maybe rubbing at the face and also ears. Now, remember, we've ears now, we've talked about ear allergies with pollen inhalation as well, with atopic dermatitis. So there's going to be some overlap, of course. But if you have a dog that classically presents with licking at its feet incessantly and is rubbing at its face, rubbing at its ears, scratching ears, red inflamed ears, you got to think food. Now, how is a great way to easily differentiate between whether their feet and ear chewing and scratching because of food or pollen, very simple. If you haven't changed your pet's food and this allergy is seasonal, meaning it goes away during fall and winter, guess what? It's not the food. However, if it's not seasonal and even though it's, it's the same whether they're, it's summer, spring or whether it's fall, winter, then for sure I would put food much higher on the list. As a matter of fact, as we're going to get to right now, it's so difficult to really identify and diagnose food-related allergies. I will often tell someone if they're having a problem like this time of year, we'll treat it symptomatically, and we're going to wait. I tell them, you know what? Let's wait until October, late September, October, November. And if the symptoms seem to go away on their own, then let's not mess with the food thing because it's such a pain. It is so difficult to do. And let's just say, you know what? If it went away, it's most likely a seasonal allergy. So having said that, let's get into some nuts and bolts. And if you have a pet and you're listening now and we're alive and you have any question about allergies, be it pollen, be it fleas, be it ticks, be it, be it food, you name it, I want you to give us a call. I want to hear from you. Guess what? It costs you nothing. A few minutes of your time. Our phone number is easy, 877-385-8882. Pick up the phone, and at the very least, you're going to get a free ProSense product. So come on, you can't lose. So what I want is to talk about this food thing. 
typically, the most common allergen that pets are allergic to is going to be proteins. So in the perfect world, if we want to try to diagnose a particular allergen or allergens, we would need to eliminate all from the diet for eight weeks, and we need to be very, very strict. And I mean, that means nothing else other than a non-allergenic food. Problem is, they don't always like this non-allergenic food. And the bigger problem is you, because I know, as with many, many, many clients, I could tell you this till I'm blue in the face, and it's not going to be diddly. If you have kids in the house, forget about it. There's no way that you're going to have this dog not eat anything else. But in theory, if we can eliminate the antigens in this diet for about eight weeks, it used to be six, we're, we're getting tougher on you. Now it's eight weeks, and food is the problem then this pet, usually it's going to be in a dog, is going to improve. And when that dog improves, we're going to sit back and go, ah, that's it. It's food. We now have confirmation that it's food. So now what? So now what we start doing is let's start introducing food groups, specifically proteins, one at a time. And then we'll do some carbs. And we're going to make like a checklist and see which protein do they start scratching? Now, if they do, you don't have to wait another eight weeks to not. All you have to do is as soon as you see the earliest signs of foot chewing, face rubbing, ears, whatever, stop that one, wait about four or five days, and we should be okay. Now, try to introduce things that they've never seen before. And I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And I'll give you some suggestions. But the whole idea is that if it's something that's been commonly in part of their diet, clearly, there's a good chance that might be the culprit. Why give it to them again? So we want to first choose things that they probably haven't seen before. And if you can identify a couple of different proteins and they seem to do well, then go to some carbs. Likewise, same thing, things they've never seen before. Speak to your veterinarian about maybe some dietary supplementation, some vitamins, because we need to try to make a, a diet balanced, and you're good to go. Now, there is another option. There is a hydrolyzed protein diet. Hydrolyzed proteins can actually eliminate some or most of the antigenicity. It tastes a little better than a non-allergenic diet, meaning a non-protein. The non-protein, it's really not proteins. What they do is they will actually fragment the proteins to destroy their antigenicity. So the pet can eat it, getting the, the benefit of protein, but antigenically, it's not the same as normal, and therefore, the body is not going to react against it. It's not going to have an antibody to react against the actual protein. So what many companies have done, which I think is a good idea, is they've come up with what we call novel protein diets. Now, what that means is they are choosing a single protein and a single carb that are kind of bizarre, things that you're, it wouldn't surprise me if your pet has never seen. For example, salmon and potato, or they call fish and potato, venison and green pea, rabbit and green pea, or rabbit and um, potato. So, you know, typically the most common carbs in our pets' foods have been things like, you know, wheat, things like oats, well, certainly rice. So, again, 30 years ago, rice was a great one. And in fact, the very first non or hypoallergenic diet on the market was a rice. It was lamb and rice because every, all the other foods had chicken or beef. So now it's venison, it's bison, it's fish, it's rabbit, it's kangaroo. That's a good one for you. I mean, when was the last time your pet had a chance to eat kangaroo meat? So it's coming up with these kind of bizarre proteins and these things like some of the grains, some of the carbs, some of the vegetables that most likely either they've never eaten before or we just know from the dermatologist historically that they're pretty low antigenicity. They don't usually 
cause a problem in pets. So instead of going to that very difficult, not so great tasting, unbalanced diet, why don't you try a balanced, novel protein, novel carb diet? And if it works, fantastic, stick with it. Don't change. And it's a little easier to do. The premise is the same. You're going to have to go six to eight weeks. They can have nothing, nothing else during that time period. And then they can start to, uh, if they do well, stick with that one. If not, if you know, you're into this four or five weeks, there is no change. But I would recommend to stop and wait you know, a couple of weeks or just, just start one of the other ones. Just give yourself longer to see uh, an improvement. And if that doesn't work, then you're going to have to go to the non-allergenic fragmented protein or the hydrolyzed protein diet. Now, one thing that you, you know, I should add to this is that, unfortunately, the gastrointestinal tract is not typically going to be one of the symptoms that we're going to see. So you can't use that as a judge. Anyway, we're going to get back to some of GI signs in just a minute when we come back from our break. Thanks for joining me here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, and um, we will be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Dogs leave fur wherever they go. It collects all over the home. There are many tools designed to stop dog hair spreading, but their effectiveness varies, and afterwards you have to clean the tool, then the floor. With the Dyson Groom Tool, you simply deploy the bristles, then gently brush the coat. Loose fur is removed, while dead skin and allergens are captured by the vacuum. And to clean up, you simply release the trigger. To get this awesome Dyson Groom Tool, go to DysonDeals.com. That's DysonDeals.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Hi, this is Jody Miller Young from Bark and Swagger. Tune in for everything pet fashion and more. From fashion tips and runway trends, products and designs I love, to fabulous home decor for your furry friend, you'll find it all here. Be the first to discover the new. So what are you waiting for? Find me on Pet Life Radio. And remember, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Uh, and uh, I'm your host, Dr. Jeff. 
And, you know, so we, we talked about the allergies, huge problem we see, skin disease, this time of year especially. Probably the number one problem we're going to see are skin-related. Fleas and ticks, obviously fleas, especially a huge problem. The pollen and household allergens are a huge problem. Inhaled contact, also causing skin problems. And we just finished talking about the foods, a problem. Just a couple of other things to talk about as we are on the subject of skin and allergies and irritation. Many of these problems, many of the conditions that are causing skin disease also cause what we call secondary bacterial infection. And that is called a pyoderma. They're usually superficial infection. And interestingly, the bacterium involved is a normal inhabitant of skin. It is a staph epidermidis. It's a staphylococcal bacterium that lives peacefully on the dog, on your cat. It's just there. Ah, so why? Why does this same bug cause problems when it does? It's because of the self-trauma. It is because of the skin inflammation. It is the scratching. So what happens is as soon as the protective barrier of that skin is affected, is broken down because of its inflammation, because of the dog scratching, the cat scratching, now this peaceful, happy-go-lucky bug becomes an opportunist and starts invading into the hair follicles, into the skin, and causing the skin infection. The point being that You have to know that when your veterinarian is going to treat these allergies or these skin conditions, more likely than not, antibiotics are going to be in the equation because we can't just treat the symptoms, the itching, the scratching. Now we have something else to deal with, and that is a secondary bacterial infection. We got to do it. Now, before we move on, there are one or two other conditions that affect animal skin that are nothing to do with allergy. Well, first of all, pyoderma itself could be primary. It usually isn't. When I see a pyoderma, when I see a skin infection, I am looking for another underlying cause. We can't see it primary, but we usually don't. It's usually secondary to something. One thing we will see, another primary problem, again, both with secondary potential for pyoderma, are the manges. Most common, demodectic mange and scabies, which is sarcoptic mange. If I see a dog, let's go back to ears for a second, typically a young dog or a dog that has been mingling, playing with a puppy, especially typically it's going to be a puppy that you know nothing about. They bumped up into each other on the street. It was a stray dog on the street. It was a a little puppy at the dog park that the owner got from some guy sitting on the street. My getting at is usually puppies that are not well cared for, weren't well bred, and they can have something called scabies, sarcoptic mange. What you need to know about scabies is, first of all, the lesion itself is intensely pteritic, meaning intensely itchy. So miserable these dogs are going to be that I often joke, if you put him in front of you for 10 minutes, he's going to scratch for eight of the 10. And the lesions most commonly are going to be on the head and neck, the ears, especially the ear margins. And I'm going to give you a little trick about that one. And in the axillary area, which is under the arm, in the armpits ventrally on the bottom. So your lesions are going to be face, head and neck, ear, under the axilla, the armpits, and eventually on the bottom. In other words, very little on the back, unlike what? Fleas. So we know that fleas, the skin disease related to flea allergy, likes the back of the dog. And this one is usually on the ventrum. It's on the lower side. It is a contact-driven parasite, meaning direct contact given from the culprit, the the host, whoever that was. And we also know that they live very superficially on the pet, which means, guess what? 
they can also attach to you. So if I have a dog coming in with this intense paritis, one trick is you can gently tickle the edges of their ear pin, the ear flap, okay? And if that sets up an intense reaction where they start scratching incessantly with their back leg, we call that a pinnal-pedal reflex, there's a good chance there are scabies on board. And the reason I mentioned some of these things is that unlike the demodectic mange, the scabies mite, even though it could be there in huge numbers, is often very difficult to find. So if we were going to base our diagnosis just on finding these mites on a skin scraping, we may fail. So we have to look at the other clues. Is there a very strong pinopedal reflex? Are the lesions around the axilla? Do I see a lot of scabs and redness and sores in the armpits around the face and the belly? And here's the clincher. If you, the owner, also is scratching, typically the forearms and at the belt line, then I'm treating for scabies because there are very few other things that can do that, whether I find them or not. I mean, you can do 10 scrapings and they all can be negative, even though the dog has the mite. And also when we scrape, we usually scrape more superficially and we scrape a larger area. And that is because it's so hard to find. We want to increase our chances of finding this mange mite. And that's scabies. Now, demodectic mange, on the other hand, can affect a dog of any age. And it's often linked to the immune system. When we see immune suppression, it's not uncommon to have a flare-up of demodectic mange infection. If there is a stress to the body, we can see a flare-up. For example, post-surgery. For example, post-whelping. A mama dog can have puppies and she can end up with demodectic mange. What's interesting about demodex, first of all, it's non-contagious. Not only is it not contagious to you, it's not contagious to other dogs. Well, now you're going to scratch your eyes. Wait a second. Where did it come from? Ah, we'll get there in a sec. It's going to blow your mind too. And it's not contagious. It in of itself is not itchy, but very commonly it's associated with that you got it, secondary bacterial infection, and that is really itchy. So we have a secondary bacterial infection. We're going to have the itchiness, the paritis, usually much easier to find. However, since they live so deeply down in the hair follicle, which is why the lesions associated with demodectic mange are usually what we call patchy alopecia. There are patches of either thinning or no hair. The skin could actually look pretty good. You might see a little, some pustules or a little scabs because of the dog scratching, but you don't see the same redness and erythema that you might see with scabies. So you have to scrape deeply enough to draw blood. Why? Because they're hiding down deep in the hair follicles, and that's where we have to scrape. They are much easier to find if they're there, so we don't have to do a very wide scraping. We can scrape just a smaller area, but you got to go deep. So when your veterinarian brings that pet of yours back out and it's bleeding, don't yell and don't be upset. You have to. You, we, we must get deep enough to cause some bleeding in order to get the inaccurate an, an scrape. So the clincher, though, is this. When I was in school, and this is 30-plus years ago, we guesstimated, or the guesstimate was from the dermatologists, that about 70% of dogs had the demodectic mange mite on their bodies as a normal inhabitant of skin, and it was the immune system that caused them to start congregating in certain areas, invading the hair follicles, infecting, eating out the hair, etc. That guesstimate is now up to 100%. So why does your dog get it? It doesn't get it from another dog. It gets it from himself because they are normal inhabitants of skin. They live there 100%. 
and it's whatever it might be causing stress, anxiety, immunosuppression, etc., might be propagating the actual infection that we're seeing when these dogs present with their patchy alopecia. You don't have to uh, worry about it as far as contagion. Uh, also difficult to treat, treat with antibiotics. There are a few treatments out there. They usually involve a medication called ivermectin or an ivermectin cousin like selamectin. And we have to be careful with certain breeds that are, have a known hypersensitivity to the ivermectins, like the collie dogs, like the, the Australian shepherds. A lot of the herding dogs seem to have a hypersensitivity, so we need to be very, very careful. Work closely with your veterinarian when it comes to these. It takes a, a while to treat, uh, treat both of them. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a commitment, but very treatable. And just to really freak you out before we say goodbye for today, about 70 or 80% of people actually have demodectic mange mites living in our eyebrows. So there you go. Take that thought to bed with you. But uh, yeah, it's pretty gross. Anyway, want to thank you for joining me here on Pet Life Radio, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Um, if you want to send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com, uh, go ahead, please do so. Uh, I'll answer it and I'll read your email online and you too will get a ProSense product and a Contoy just for joining in and allowing us to uh, answer your questions online. And next week, another major, major problem that we often see that I want to talk about, and that's going to be vomiting. Very, very common presentation. When do we worry? Why do we worry? How does it happen? And uh, we're going to go through a series of these. And next week, how lovely we're going to talk about the vomiting dog or the vomiting cat. And until then, have a great week. We'll see you next week on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. And thanks again to ProSense and Kong. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.